Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Ready to Give an Answer sermon series, which talks about how to defend our faith and why we should believe what we believe. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God has impacted you through these messages. 1 Peter 3, that's going to be kind of our theme verse for the next uh, uh, few weeks. And uh, pastor asked me to do a couple of uh, the services in this series. The series is basically on witnessing, uh, talking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, we uh, as Christians, we know that that's a commission that the Lord has given to the church is to take the gospel to the world. Well, it's not just to the church organization, but it's to you and I, individuals as a church. We are the church, and so it's uh, on us, not just to send missionaries. We all ought to be involved in giving to send missionaries, but we also need to be involved personally in taking the gospel to people around us, whether it be at work or across the street, neighbors, uh, people that we bump into at the store and so forth, and, and do as an effective job as we can in presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Um, we uh, uh, understand that there's only one way to heaven. Amen? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way to heaven, but there's a number of ways to get people to Jesus. All right? You understand that? He's the only way. He's the door. He's the way. Uh, but our job is to get people to him. Well, how do we do that? Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw them in unto me. And so how do we lift up Christ to different people, different people groups? Uh, if you've been a Christian for very long, you know that Talking with your relatives, for example, about Christ, trying to witness to your relatives is different than talking to somebody at work uh, or to talk to somebody that you've just met, maybe. Uh, there, there's different people with different attitudes and different backgrounds. And so when we come to uh, our subject for the next few weeks, uh, how, to, how to witness to Catholics or how to witness to Mormons, we'll look at that, or how to witness to Jehovah's Witnesses, we'll look at that a little bit tonight. Uh, we understand that, that we're getting them to a focal point of presenting the gospel. And how we present the gospel, we might use different methods of doing that. For example, some would use the, what's called the Romans Road. How many of you have heard of the Romans Road? You're familiar with that. And if you've never done this, you need to mark in your Bible the verses for the Romans Road, showing that people are sinners, that Jesus is the only way, and you have to believe on the Lord and confess, trust him as Savior. Uh, the gospel is fairly simple. ABC has been used. Uh, get people to admit or acknowledge that they're sinners. Somebody's not going to get saved until they know they need a Savior. So they have to recognize that they're a sinner. And then secondly, you have to get them to believe in their heart. Believe what? Believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God, God the Son. That he came to this world, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, not for his sin, he had none, but he died for his own sin, or excuse me, for our sin, he didn't die for his own, he died for our sin, was buried, and he bodily rose again. That's the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, the gospel, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when they believe that, they acknowledge they're a sinner, they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, for the heart man believeth under righteousness, and then with the mouth, let her see, confession is made unto salvation. A lot of people believe that Jesus came to earth. They believe that he's the Son of God, but they've never personally acknowledged him as their personal Savior. They've never accepted the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. So we've got to get them to that, that point of believing and then receiving Christ. And we call that drawing the net, getting them to uh, actually uh, say a prayer to the Lord, personally believing in their heart and with a true heart asking God to forgive them of their sin and trusting Jesus Christ and him alone for salvation, not the church or not baptism or nothing else. So uh, understanding that kind of as a basic point uh, in every person that we talk to, no matter what their background is, we're trying to get them to that point of uh, understanding that Jesus is the Savior. He wants to be their personal Savior. Uh, if they will call upon him and receive him, they can have eternal life. These things are written. 
I use, uh, a lot of times I'll use uh, 1 John uh, chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. That's Jesus. He that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things, John writes, have I written unto you that believe on the name of the uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that ye might know, K-N-O-W, that ye have eternal life. You can know that you're saved and going to heaven. And that, that's a, a big point that we're going to talk about in these next few weeks, and that is uh, knowing that you're saved and how that helps you to lead others to Christ. If you're not sure of your own salvation, then it's hard to witness. If you're not positive that your sins are forgiven and you're on your way to heaven, then to witness to other people just kind of becomes a hypocritical. It's just tough to do. But if you know for sure that you've trusted Christ as Savior and you have that assurance that he's come into your heart and life and that you are on your way to heaven, then, then you've got some good news to tell other people about. You can uh, give some people some good news that they don't have to then go to hell. They don't have to be afraid of, of hell and they don't have to be afraid of death because uh, they can have the assurance of eternal life in Jesus Christ and you share that with them. So that's kind of a, a precursor. And I'm going to ask Leo, if you would, and uh, Carlos, if you would help me with this. So just give everybody a three by five card. And uh, <clears throat> I want to get a three by five card into your hand and I want you to have that. And uh, during the next couple of weeks, uh, uh, tonight, next week, any time between now and uh, these couple of weeks that we'll be doing this, uh, these next two Thursdays after now, any time that you have a question about witnessing or how to witness to a certain group of people, write that down and uh, turn it in to me. Give, you can give it to me on Sunday or you can give it to me on, when we come to class here on Thursdays, Sunday nights, whatever. Uh, if you have a question that has to do with witnessing, how to witness, uh, uh, how to reach a certain uh, group, maybe somebody's asked you a question and you don't know how to answer, well, we want to study that out a little bit, and I don't have all the answers, and, and uh, nobody's perfected at this, but we do have some guidelines that help us to reach people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, if you're going into a battle, and by the way, it is a battle, it's a spiritual battle. If you're going into a battle, how many of you have been in military? Okay, a few of you have. If you're going into battle, you want to make sure you got some weapons. And the Bible says our weapons are not carnal. They're spiritual weapons. And you need to make sure that you got some ammunition. <laughs> a gun doesn't do you a whole lot of good if you don't have ammunition. And so uh, that's getting uh, some ammunition is getting some Bible verses memorized, getting some the Word of God in your heart and in your mind so that when somebody does ask you a question, when the opportunity does arrive, uh, you can give them the answer from the Word of God. Your answer and my answer and your wisdom and my wisdom is not enough. They have to have the Word of God. So let's look at our, our text uh, this evening. We'll get started in 1 Peter chapter 3, <clears throat> verse number 15. You remember pastor preached on this last Thursday. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready. What's the next word? Always. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh uh, you a reason of the hope that is in you with two things. What are they? Meekness and fear. Meekness and fear. You need to be ready always. Somebody's going to ask you about, well, why are you so happier? You know, what makes, uh, what makes your church better than anybody else's? Or they, they come up with all kinds of questions. Uh, how do you know you're going to heaven? Uh, uh, how, how come you can face the difficulties you're facing and, and uh, still have the attitude you have? Whatever question people might have, the Bible says be ready always to give an answer. The Bible tells us in First Peter, be instant in season and out of season. Always ready. Now look at verse uh, 16. Excuse me. Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. They might not like some things you have to say. They might not like the way you live or whatever. But the Bible says you live the right type of life, the right conversation. That's your lifestyle. So that they'll be ashamed. They'd have nothing against you. Verse 17. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. 
if you and I are going to suffer, suffer in this life, and we all are, uh, we want to do it, we want to suffer for being right and being good and uh, having a loving heart and trying to help people. If we're going to be, uh, uh, if people are going to have something negative to say about us, let them say something negative that, you know, we're, we're just too, too nice a person or something like that rather than to have something bad to say about us, okay? <clears throat> How many of you uh, <clears throat> remember raising your children? And uh, when you raise your kids and they're little tiny tykes, uh, they have one word that seems to always come up. It's a question word. Who can tell me what it is? What is it? Why? <laughs> why? And uh, you tell them and then they say, why? And you tell them the next answer and they say, why? Remember that? Going through that? Well, people in general are like that. When you talk to people, they're going to ask you why. Uh, why? When you're trying to witness to somebody uh, from the Word of God, people are going to ask you why. They'll say something like, you know, well, uh, well why am I a sinner? Well, why, why doesn't God just do away with all evil? Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Uh, why doesn't God just take us all to heaven? You know, and they'll have these why questions. And uh, if you've been witnessing any at all, you'll, you'll recognize that, yeah, people have these why questions because they don't have the answers they don't understand. The Bible tells us that the things of God are spiritually discerned. People who are not saved cannot understand some of the spiritual things of the Word of God. And even people who are saved sometimes just need to be on milk because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians they are carnal Christians. They've never grown, and so they're still on the milk of the Word of God. None of, us, none of us have fully arrived, and so all of us have some questions uh, when it comes to God and serving God and following God. We all have questions uh, that, that we ask God, well, why? You know, why is this happening in my life? Uh, why is this happening now? Uh, things like that. Uh, and it's not wrong to question God, but it is wrong to get angry and get mad at God. We shouldn't do that because God uh, loves us, and we have to understand his love and learn to uh, trust him in everything that we face. So people will have these, these questions, and we need to be ready always to give an answer for the reason of the hope that lies within us. When it comes to soul winning, we remember that there's just one way. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So whichever approach we use, whether it's the Romans road or whatever it might be, <clears throat> We realize that when we talk to people, they all have some sort of background and some sort of baggage. So whether they're Catholic, whether they're agnostic or atheist or Mormon or uh, Seventh-day Adventist or religious in some way or non-religious, whatever it is, we have to realize that we deal with people in different ways to bring them to the one way, to Jesus Christ. Um, if uh, let's look at a few verses real quickly. First John chapter <clears throat> two. First John chapter two. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a quick definition <clears throat> because we'll be talking about Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and uh, any any group that calls himself Christian but doesn't believe these two points. They are what's called a cult. C-U-L-T, okay, a cult. And I'll give you a quick definition of that in a moment. Uh, there's also what's called the occult, okay? That's people who believe uh, uh, Christian Bale, for example. How many of you know who Christian Bale is? Okay, played Batman and all that. I just read this last week. He's, uh, he's a member of the satanic church. He's a devil worshiper. Uh, and uh, uh, so the, that is the occult, witchcraft, things like that. That's the occult, Okay. But then we have the cult. A cult is a church or a group that claims to be Christian, but they do not believe either of these two things. They either do not believe that Jesus is God in the flesh, or they do not believe in the work of Jesus Christ as being completed work. They don't believe in the complete person or the complete work of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words... They, uh, they believe that maybe uh, Jesus was a good man or a good example or a good teacher or he was uh, trying to become God or something, then they, they would be a cult. Or they believe that Jesus died on the cross 
Uh, but in, or, in order to be saved, you receive him, plus you've got to keep all these rules or these lists or be baptized or give to their church or whatever. Then they're adding something to what Jesus did. Uh, so they don't believe in the completed work of, of Jesus Christ. So they would be considered a cult. They are not Christian. They are a cult. And so when we look at uh, these, uh, the Mormons, for example, uh, they would be a cult. When we look at the Jehovah's Witness, they would be a cult for those reasons. Um, uh, Buddhists, Muslims, uh, they don't consider themselves Christians, and so they are not a cult in that sense. But, of course, they do not believe those things either, and so they are cults in the uh, definition of the word. First John chapter 2, if you're there, say amen. amen. Look at verse uh, 21. I have written unto you because ye know the truth, not because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth, here it is, denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is, what's the next word? Antichrist. Antichrist. That denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. So someone who does not acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, they would be called the anti, an Antichrist, okay? Look in chapter 4, the same book, 1 John 4, verse uh, one, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So there we see it again. If they don't confess that Jesus is come in the flesh. Turn, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. It spells it out real well. You're familiar with John 3.16. This is 1 Timothy 3.16. I help you to remember it. If you're there, say amen. amen. And without controversy, you can't, can't argue about this, Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That's Jesus Christ. God was made known in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh, uh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Now, who's this talking about? Talking about Jesus Christ. He says, you can't argue about this. This is, this is uh, the truth that God was made flesh. He dwelt among us, John chapter 1. We beheld his glory, even as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, John 1.14. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, John chapter 1 and verse 1, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Talking about Jesus Christ, without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus is God. The, the Bible tells us, uh, very clearly that he was God in the flesh, the God-man. We call him the Son of God or God the Son because he is God. So any, any person or group that denies that Jesus is God in the flesh, they deny his person or they deny his work that he died on the cross and completed our salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection Anybody that, that denies that, the Bible says they are antichrist. They are, it's not, I hope my time's not up. They are <laughs> uh, against uh, Christ. Let me see if I can turn my sound off. Did you turn your sound off? Yes. I didn't. Why didn't I? 
I see, I see. That's usually the best time to do it afterwards, you know. As long as it doesn't ring and I have to answer it during my preaching. Hello? No, but the Trinity is uh, another thing that, of course, Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe in the Trinity because they don't believe Jesus is God. They do not believe the Holy Spirit is a personage. They believe he's just a force like electricity or something. Uh, and so they call us, they say that we are all deluded uh, Trinitarians because we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, next week we'll be talking about Catholics, okay? Now, Catholics... Uh, and we have some of you here who, who were converted from Catholicism. Uh, Catholics uh, have a lot of, of similarities of true Christianity. They believe the virgin birth. They believe uh, uh, the Trinity and so forth. And so with them, you have some, some foundation to start on in leading them to Christ. With Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, they're teaching a whole different doctrine. And so uh, I'm going to get into this, and of course, uh, we'll uh, be talking about uh, these, these thoughts. But also, uh, if you were talking about atheists or agnostics, go with me right now. Let's go to the store. Okay, we're all going to go to Walmart. And we're all going to get a basket. Everybody gets their little basket, and here's what I'm going to tell you. I want you to go get some cut green beans, all right? So you go over to the canned goods section. And what's a good brand of cut green beans? Somebody give me Del Monte. What? S and W. What else? Libby's. Okay. Del Monte. What? Great value. Okay. Okay. And uh, Green Giant. All right. <clears throat> so everybody gets a can of green beans. All right. <clears throat> so you got a can of green beans, and we bring them all back. And we bring them up here to the church, and we put them on a shelf, okay? Now, they all have different kinds of labels, so what we're going to do is we take the shelf, and we put one label there that says green beans, and we take all the labels off of the cans. So now all the labels are off the cans. They're all on one shelf. We open a can. We take one can down from the shelf. Don't know what brand it is. And we open it up, and we dump it out. What's going to come out? Green beans. Does it matter if it's Libby's or S&W or Green Giant or nope. Great Value? I mean, you open it up and dump it out, and everybody might have their favorite, but they're still green beans, okay? Now, when you and I talk to people, somebody says, well, I'm a Mormon. I'm a Jehovah's Witness. I'm a, a whatever label they put on themselves. Here's what you need to remember. They're all sinners that need a Savior. They're all just sinners. And so uh, take the label and just move it out of the way. And whether you're talking to a Catholic or whether it's a Mormon or somebody who doesn't even believe the Bible, uh, just realize they're all just green beans. <laughs> they're all just sinners who need to be shown the way of salvation. They need to recognize that they're sinners, that Jesus is the Savior, and they need to call on him for salvation. So when we begin to get that out of the way and we realize that Every person, if it's in that same category, they need the truth, they need to hear the gospel, then it helps us to remember that that's our job, is simply to get the gospel to them whichever way we can, coming from whichever angle we need to, to help them recognize that Jesus is the one and only Savior. Now, here's some points to remember when witnessing. Number one, depend on the Holy Spirit. All right. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit as he leads us and guides us as who to witness to. Who to witness to. And uh, he opens the doors, and sometimes the doors will shut. And we don't want to force ourselves in. We don't want to be pushy. We don't want to end up pushing people away from the Lord. We want to be bringing them to the Lord. Um, I, I thought about it last week, and I forgot to do it. But if, uh, I, if I had a piece of rope up here, if I had a 20-foot rope up here, and I'll say, hey, Dean, I want you to come down here, and I want you to push this rope up the aisle. Can you push a rope? <laughs> you can't push a rope. I mean, it'd be going different directions everything. You can't push a rope. What do you have to do? You have to pull it. You have to lead it. And we have to lead people to Christ. We don't push them to Christ, and we don't try to force them into something. By, uh, the old saying says, any man convinced against his will is of the 
same opinion still. So you don't, you don't try to force people and push people. You try to lead people to Christ. You try to get them to come along. And the way you do that is when you're talking with them, you ask them questions to make sure they understand what you're, what you're giving them. And of course, that's more into a, a soul winning thing. But the Bible says that uh, the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts people. John 16, verses 7 through uh, 11, it says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Jesus is talking to his disciples. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. He said, when I leave, I'm sending the Holy Spirit and he's going to be the one to convict. And so we have to depend upon the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, but we depend upon him to be the one who's going to convict the heart. It's not our job to try to argue with people and try to overcome their defenses and all that type of thing. Uh, it's our job to present the truth in a way that they will hear, listen, understand, and respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to depend on the Holy Spirit, and we need to ask for wisdom. The Bible says in Proverbs, he that winneth souls is wise. And James tells us, if any man lack wisdom, let him do what? Ask of God, who giveth liberally and upbraideth not. So when it comes time to witness to somebody, whether it's at work or family member or uh, just somebody that you get acquainted with, you need to pray and say, God, I need your Holy Spirit. Please, Lord, lead me and guide me. Help me to say the right things. And you need to ask for the Holy Spirit to help you and ask the Lord for wisdom. The Bible says he wants to give us wisdom. And uh, we're wise if we, we do our best to be a uh, soul winner leading people to Christ. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, I have, being, being in the ministry and being raised in Baptist church and in the ministry for so many years, going to Bible college and so forth, when I, uh, when I get confronted by Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses because of my study, I know what they believe. I've read uh, uh, the New World Translation. I've read Doctrine and Covenants of the Mormon Church and Pearl of Brick Price. I've read their books and I've done comparisons and and so when I, when I personally talk to them, I have a, a general knowledge of where they're coming from and so forth, whereas probably the average Christian, you don't know all of those things. You've never taken some of those courses and stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying this to, to tell you one of my weaknesses. One of the things that I am... Uh, tempted, if I'll use that word, I'm tempted to do is get into uh, arguments with them. Uh, not a fist fight, no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I know where I stand, I know where they stand, and I'm tempted to, you know, just uh, uh, blast them, you know, and, and just blast them with a whole bunch of scriptures and stuff. Uh, for example, when I was in Colorado, uh, Christmas Day, this is Christmas Day, of course, Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't believe in Christmas, so on Christmas Day, there's a knock on the front door, I go to the front door, and there's uh, some Jehovah's Witnesses there. And uh, there's a couple of adults with a, a child, you know, and they're coming around on Christmas Day, knocking on doors, wanting to uh, get their literature out and so forth. Well, you know, it's Christmas Day, and I was a jolly fellow. <laughs> I, I kind of got into it a little bit, you know, and, and uh, they, I closed the door, and they left, and I got thinking about it. What are they doing on Christmas Day in my neighborhood? So I opened the door and I went back out. And they went to my neighbors and knocked on the door and they came to the door and I yelled. I said, they're Jehovah's Witnesses. I said, they're a cult. They don't believe in Jesus Christ. Don't even talk to them. They said, okay. And they shut the door. So they went to the next. Of course, I had good neighbors. In fact, uh, four or five of the neighbors' uh, families came to our church. So every time they went to the door, I just followed them and yelled. And, and so they, they, of course, they kind of like that because they feel like if they get, you know, uh, people react to them badly. You know, that's a, they get stars. So anyway, but that's not the way to win them. 
I just say all that to say, in our flesh, sometimes we want to just attack and just give them a bunch of verses and just try to uh, argue with them. Look what the Bible says, though. In <laughs> I'm telling you one of my one of my sins. Second Timothy two, verse twenty three. Flee also, uh, am I getting the right thing? Yeah, okay, verse 23. But foolish and unlearned uh, questions avoid, knowing that they do generate what? Gender strifes, okay. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be, what's the next word? Gentle unto who? All men. All right, so we're to be gentle. If we're going to, if we're going to reach people, it's uh, not with vinegar, but with honey. We need to be gentle. We need to, look what it says, apt to teach, patient. Here's that word again, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. They don't realize that they're, they're sending their own soul to hell. They don't realize that. They've been brought up with that. They are very sincere in their own thinking. And if we yell at them and if we attack them like that, it just... Uh, it doesn't help. Look, they oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may re recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. These people have been captivated by a cult. They've been captivated by deceit. And uh, if, if we respond to them like I did that day, they're just going to say, oh, you know, and just kind of move on. And they, they, we don't have an opportunity to really deal with them and show them that meekness and the love that the Lord Jesus Christ has for them. So we don't agree with their doctrine. We see a lot of things wrong with their doctrine. But if we're going to effectively reach them, we have to speak the truth in what? Love. Speak the truth in love. So we have to have the right attitude, that meekness and fear that's talked about when we answer people. Oftentimes, cults use similar language, but their meanings are different. And they will talk about different, uh, different uh, words that we use, salvation, believe, trust, uh, Jesus, and so forth, but the meaning is totally different. They worship a different Jesus, for example. The Mormons have a totally different Jesus than what we worship and so forth, and recognizing that. Then Jehovah's Witnesses as well, they don't believe that Jesus is God. The Jehovah's Witnesses claim to have over three and a half million followers in 205 countries. And uh, they have some very different beliefs. Some of you remember studying perhaps that Charles Taze Russell, he was a member of the Congregational Church. And in the year 1870, uh, in the year 1870, he uh, uh, broke away from the Congregational Church because he didn't believe in hell or eternal punishment. And so he broke away from them and started what he called the Bible Society, which has now grown into what's called the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, and this group, of course, they have grown because of their extensive door-to-door -door evangelism, they call it door-to-door -door recruitment, setting up Bible studies when you come into your home. How many of you had a Jehovah's Witness knock on your door? Hold your hand up again. How many of you had an independent Baptist knock on your door? <laughs> a whole lot less. Huh? They're doing a better job of it than we are. And we've got the truth. And uh, they go out there because the reason they do a better job than we do is they believe they have to do that to earn their way to heaven. We believe in grace. We're going to heaven whether we do that or not. And so we're a bunch of lazy people anyway. <laughs> but they, they start those Bible studies. And plus they have their publications, the Watchtower and all their different publications. One of the, one of the largest public, uh, publishers in the world. But also what contributes to their growth is the lack of knowledge among Christians. We don't understand them. We're afraid to speak up to them. We're, we don't know uh, how to give an answer, ready to give an answer for the questions that they have. And then, of course, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 4 and 2 Timothy 3, tells us that in the last days, these uh, deceitful cults are going to grow and they're going to become larger and larger. And so in the last, group, last days, uh, we see those things happen.
Some of their beliefs that they have are anti-Christian. They don't believe in the Trinity, of course. They, uh, they don't believe in Jesus being God the Son. They don't believe he had a physical resurrection. They believe his resurrection was a spiritual resurrection, not a physical resurrection. They believe that Jesus is actually Michael the Archangel. They believe that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. Uh, they believe that uh, only 144,000 will go to heaven. Uh, other, everybody else will have an opportunity to live on earth here. Uh, and if they don't choose to follow Jehovah uh, and follow the Jehovah's Witness rules and, and laws and so forth, then they will just be annihilated, just cease to exist. So that's what they believe. They wrote their own Bible. It's called the New World Translation. Uh, and for example, our Bible in John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And they followed a, what's called Westcott and Hort, and then they added a little letter in there, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God, and they make it a little g. And uh, so they take away the deity of Christ right there, and they do that all throughout their what's called New World Translation. And so when we're dealing with them and we realize that they believe that salvation is only through uh, uh, faithful service and obedience to the Jehovah's Witness cult. If that's the only way you're going to get to heaven is through faithful service, doing all these uh, checklists that they have and obeying the uh, rules uh, when we realize that we're dealing with that type of uh, thinking, then it helps us to understand how best to deal with them, and we need to do it with understanding. Uh, the church itself, we'll call it a church, this group, has made prophecies down through the years. They're the group that said that Jesus was going to come back in 1914. 1914 came and went, and Jesus didn't come back. So they said, well, he came spiritually. Uh, and then they said, he came spiritually in 1914, and he's going to come back. He's making the world a better place. Well, since 1914, we've had two world wars and uh, <clears throat> multiple nation rising against nation and all kinds of wars going on since. So if Jesus has been in control since 1914, he's not done a very good job of all that. Uh, they say that he came in 1914 spiritually. Then they said, well, he's coming in 1925. Well, he didn't come back in 1925. Then they said, well, he's going to come back in uh, 1960, 1975, 1975. Well, he didn't come back then. So each time they've made these prophecies, they've had to crawfish back and say, well, uh, he came spiritually or he descended in a different way. And, and, and they try to make excuses. Well, the Bible is very clear. In fact, turn to this scripture. Back in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy 18. If you're there, say amen. Okay. Now, I want you to see this and, and understand what the Bible is saying. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse number uh, let's just skip down verse number 20. The prophets, but the prophets which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. Now notice verse 21. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? How do we know the difference? How do we know if it's from God or not? That's what... He's saying to these people, he says, if you want to know how you can tell the difference, verse 22, when a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is a thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. So how do you know if a prophet is from God or not? If he's 100% correct, he's from God. If he's 99% correct, he's not. And if in this case he's 100% wrong, you know he's not. All right? So uh, that's how we judge prophets. The Bible says in the New Testament, hey, look at the spirits. Try the spirits and see if they be of God or not. All right? If you have a question, just write it down and we'll get to it uh, next time. 
moving right along here, when we recognize these false beliefs and we begin to compare their doctrines and scriptures with, with our scriptures and so forth, uh, we, can, we can get into arguing different points and trying to prove them wrong and trying to undercut them and so forth. And, and so there's some times to do that. But what we have to do if we're going to win them to Christ, if we have to concentrate on the individual, we have to realize that, hey, here's a person. Uh, and in fact, let me give you just these, these thoughts here. Uh, here's a person who is, is an individual. He is uh, genuine in his thinking. He thinks that he knows. He or she thinks that they're right. They've been raised, perhaps, in Jehovah's Witnesses, or they've been studying with them and think, hey, this is the way. And so in their heart, they believe they're right. Uh, so we have to deal with them, realizing that just like you and I believe we're right, they believe they're right. Now, what makes the difference? How do we know if we're right or they're right? The Word of God, the Bible. <clears throat> Let God be true and every man a liar. If we want to know if something's right or wrong, we look at the Word of God. If we want to know what the preacher's preaching is right, that's why we bring our Bibles to church. We compare the Word of God to what's being taught and preached. And so when we begin to do that, uh, we begin to find out that, that uh, what the Jehovah's Witnesses teach and believe is against uh, the Word of God. Uh, how do we reach them? I'll give you a couple of thoughts. Number one, Give them your personal testimony. <clears throat> have assurance. Let them know that you are sure that you're saved and on your way to heaven. They don't have assurance. They're not sure. You can ask them, are you going to heaven? Well, no, I don't know. They, they have no idea. They don't know. But if you have assurance, if you know, then you can give them assurance. Hey, I know that I'm on my way to heaven. I hope you can find that out sometime. Would you like to know how I know I'm going to heaven? You're, you know, you're, you're approaching them uh, with something they don't know, uh, how you can know. And, of course, you can get into the, the Word of God then about how you can know that you're saved. <clears throat> they need to hear the genuine gospel. They've been taught a false gospel. They've been taught a gospel that it's, it's uh, works that's going to get them to heaven. That there are certain things they can do or must do in order to earn their way to heaven. And they need to hear the truth that it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a what? Gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, all of our works are of righteousness are as filthy rags in the sight of God. And going back, of course, to Romans, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And talking about uh, that works. It's not works that will get us to heaven. And so you're able to give them a genuine gospel, a genuine testimony of assurance, a genuine gospel. And then some genuine questions with Bible answers. Beginning to arm yourself with some Bible verses so that you can give them some uh, the Word of God. Um, if, if I was to come up to uh, Craig and pull out a pocket knife. I might even have one here. And I was to say, hey, Craig, this is a pocket knife. And Craig would say, I don't believe that's a pocket knife. And I would jab him with it. <laughs> How many times did I have to jab him with a pocket knife before he'd realize, hey, that's a pocket knife? All right, maybe with him four or five times, but. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, some people say, well, I don't believe the Bible. Well, the Bible says the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any what? Two-edged sword. What do you do? Somebody doesn't believe the Bible, what do you do? Just keep giving them the Bible. Keep giving them scriptures. Now, you don't have to say, well, the Bible says. You don't have to say, well, John 3.16 says. Just give them the scripture. Just start quoting the scripture. Just give them the truth of the Word of God. And you know what you're doing? You're giving them the jabs with the Word of God. And pretty soon, the Holy Spirit will take the Word and convince them, hey, that is true. I remember uh, reading a story, and some of you have read this, where a man was saying he didn't believe the Bible, and none of the Bible was true. And the preacher reached over and, 
great. He said, he said if, I could, if I could prove one verse to you, would you believe the Bible? He said, yeah, prove one verse to me. He reached over and grabbed his nose and twisted it, and the guy's nose began to bleed. And he says, the Bible says, the ringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. <laughs> so, so it's true. Well, there's enough truth in the Bible that, that something that you give to people is eventually the Holy Spirit's going to use that to enlighten them that, hey, maybe there's something here that is true and get into the Word of God. So give them some, some genuine questions and some genuine Bible answers. They must realize if they're going to get saved, they must realize that they, without Jesus Christ, they are lost and on their way to hell. And Jesus is that only way to be saved. Um, another thought, and there's a lot of things here, but let me give you the last two thoughts I have. Uh, this is something that uh, with occultists, with uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, because they don't have any assurance and they don't know if they're even going to make it to heaven or something, you can say something like this. If you came to my door and knocked on the door and I opened my door and I had a knife in my back and I'm bleeding and I've only got three minutes to live, what would you tell me? How, I, how, how can I get into the kingdom? They have no answer for that because they believe you have to do this, 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 and this. You got to go knock on doors. You got to, they believe you got to do all that to make it into heaven. So if a person just has three minutes to live, they have no answer. Well, you and I have an answer. In fact, Jesus had an answer for the thief on the cross, didn't he? That thief on the cross, he didn't have time to get baptized. He wasn't going to go knock on any doors. He wasn't going to memorize any scriptures. He, he said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Well, it was, what did he do? He just put his faith and trust in Jesus as Savior. And that's what we do. And that's, what, that's the only way of getting saved is putting faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone outside of any works. And now I'll give you this last thought. And there's a lot of other things here, but the last thought is this. When we're talking to someone about salvation and you're giving them uh, the gospel and whichever pathway you're bringing them to an understanding of, of salvation and an understanding of receiving Jesus Christ as Savior, you need to always try to do this. And it, we'll just call it draw the net. You need to always try to draw the net. When pastor preaches, after, after every service, what do we have? An invitation. And it's time for people to respond. And so when you're dealing with people one-on-one, -on -one, you need to try to get them to have a time to respond. And you might say something simple like this. What would hinder you from right now trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior? What would hinder you? What would you spell it? Well, you know, what would my parents think? Or, you know, my family? And so you find out what is the stumbling block? What is keeping them from Christ? What would hinder you right now from trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior? This is after you've talked to them about salvation, about sin, and given them scriptures, and you've, you've led them up in a kind way. You've led them now to Jesus Christ. He's the Savior. He's the one who can forgive your sin. He's the one who can take you to heaven. He's the only one that can do that. What would hinder you from trusting him right now and asking him to forgive you and be your Savior? And then you'll find out what it is. Maybe they'll say, well, nothing. Well, then why don't we do that right now? And you have them bow their head and go ahead and and have them pray and just have them do those three things. It's simple to remember. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, you believe on the person and work of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. And then C, ask him to forgive you of your sin and trust him to be your savior. Does God lie? No. no. And God said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call, and of course that's in, in Romans over there. Well, what's it mean to call? It means if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. The Bible says that's what salvation is. And so it's uh, dealing with Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Catholics, agnostics, atheists. They're all green beans. They're all sinners. They all have baggage. They all come from different backgrounds. And so we need to learn how to deal with them in the background that they're coming from and bring them with love and compassion 
and understanding, have an open, try to, you don't want to monopolize the conversation, you want to control the conversation. You always want to, the, the, the basis of your conversation needs to be the Bible. Not what the Baptists say or what the Jehovah's Witnesses say, what does the Bible say? Always bringing them to the Bible. Here's what the Bible says, here's what the Bible says. And as you do that, keep them looking into the Word of God. The Word of God, the Spirit of God will do that work that he, only He can do in the heart. So let's bow for prayer. And uh, heads are bowed, and we're going to dismiss in just a moment. But right now, before we do, a couple of things. Maybe you have somebody that you know is not saved, whatever their background. You've, you're, you're concerned about them, or maybe you're not sure if they're saved or not. Why don't you right now just pray for them? Pray that God would give you an opportunity to deal with them or that God would open the door to get the gospel to them. Would you just pray about that? And then maybe even offer yourself to the Lord. Lord, if you use me, I'd like to be a tool in your hand to take the gospel to them. Help me to do it. And seek the Lord's wisdom in that. And secondly, there, maybe you're here tonight and you're not sure you've ever trusted Christ as Savior. Oh, you've heard about him and you've heard about church and Jesus and God and heaven and hell, but you've really never just cast your whole soul and being in faith on God's word when he said, if you'll trust in me, I'll forgive your sin and take you to heaven. If you've never done that, maybe you'd like to do that right now. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just simply acknowledge that you're a sinner. Tell God that you believe that Jesus is his son, that he died on the cross for your sin, was buried, and rose again, that you believe that. And then ask him to forgive you. Ask him to be your savior. He's got that free gift of eternal life. We just need to ask, say, okay. I want to be saved. Father, thank you for this time tonight. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, that we do have the truth, that the word of God is true. Thank you, Lord, for the assurance we have in Jesus Christ. And Lord, around us are people uh, who have all kinds of backgrounds that need the gospel. Help us to deal with them according to knowledge that we might understand and, Lord, uh, be able to uh, lovingly lead them, show them the way, shine the light that they might see Christ and maybe see Christ in us, the hope of glory. Help us to live the type of life that would point people to Jesus, lift him up, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.